Welcome to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360, a podcast featuring C-suite executives, entrepreneurs, nonprofit and government leaders expressing how they model leadership, integrity and authenticity in the marketplace. So sit back, relax and enjoy the collaboration with thought leaders from across the globe sharing their best corporate practices. Now let's welcome our host, Executive Leadership Coach Christina Lee for another amazing conversation. Welcome to Paradigm 360. I'm your leadership coach, Christina Lee. I'm so excited to be here with another leadership topic today. I am so excited. We are going to bring a topic that has become dear to my heart, the leadership challenge. That's right. We are excited about it today because, you know, Yvette and I, my business partner, we spend our lives in organizational leadership. And so to be able to bring this to our corporate government, nonprofit audiences, this is going to be fantastic. And today I have no one, none other than Miss Valerie Willis, all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio, will come in and talk to us about uh, the leadership practices of example, the, the practice practices of exemplary leadership. So I get a little tongue tied sometimes saying it myself. So, uh, but Valerie is going to come and shed some fantastic light on this leadership principle. So before we start, I'm going to go ahead and pay the bills. Our sponsors uh, are standing by. And as soon as we hear from them, we're going to come right back with Valerie Willis. Paradigm 360 LLC is a corporate consulting firm that specializes in executive coaching, coach training certification, change management, and an array of leadership development tools designed to build culture and produce authentic leadership within your organization. Our team of experts have over 30 years of combined experience working with C-suite executive, leadership teams, middle management, and frontline employees. We take pride in our corporate motto, building world-class leaders one conversation at a time. Please look us up on the web at www.paradigm360consulting.com. Until then, we'll see you at the top. Have you ever wondered how to scale your career? Or what about lead your team to the next level of success? Or maybe you've thought about stepping out and launching that new consulting business. Whatever your personal, corporate, or professional desires are, Exec Talk with Paradigm 360 is the platform for you to glean from world-class thought leaders across the globe. Join the conversations on Apple, Android, and various podcast platforms. And once the show is over, keep the conversation going on Twitter at Paradigm360 underscore LLC. Until then, in the words of our executive leadership coach, Christina Lee, we'll see you at the top. You're listening to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360 with executive leadership coach, Christina Lee. After the show, stay connected at www.paradigm360consulting.com. Now back to the show with your host, Christina Lee. All right. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be here. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Uh, we are getting ready to meet none other than Miss Valerie Willis. And let me share a little bit about her. Valerie addresses today's today's challenges with effective, uplifting solutions. As a facilitator, her mission is to guide and provoke organizations to optimize business results through leadership development. Valerie is also known for her energy, passion, and down-to-earth style with an innate ability to understand all levels of an organization. She creates meaningful impact conversations and results. 
Valerie brings a strong background in leadership development, team building, branding, innovation, and coaching. Her business experience crosses the areas of leadership, sales, customer service, information technology, and talent development. She has consulted with companies across many industries, including healthcare, pharmaceutical, education, construction, government, manufacturing, wholesale, retail, technology, nonprofit, utilities, and finance. As wholesale business director for Nine West Group, Inc., she implemented strategic plans supporting five major shoe divisions that resulted in a high, effective, and productive service center. Valerie also served as director of client services in the IT department. Valerie also designated and helped carry out numerous client in, uh, initiatives and training programs with the Tom Peters Company. Valerie holds an MBA from Xavier University and a bachelor's degree from Wil Wilmington College. She re received the 2017 Star Player Award from Wiley Certified Facilitator Network and the 2018 Leadership Excellence and Development Top Leadership Partner Award. Will you help me, Internet guests? Welcome to the show today, Miss Valerie Willis. Welcome, Valerie. It is awesome to have you on the show. Wow. D does the crowd always do that, Valerie? No, but that sounded good to me, Christina. It's good to be with here today with you. Um, you know, when I was listening to you rattle off all those different industries, that just goes to show you that leadership crosses no boundaries, all the boundaries, right? Um, there isn't any organization, there's no industry, there's no company, there's no church, there's no any type of association or organization that really doesn't need leadership today. It's my heart. It's my passion. Um, I've been doing this for so many years. So I'm delighted to be here with you today and all of your guests so we can have some more conversation around um, the leadership challenges, the five practices and what we can do as leaders. Well, fantastic. I, I would love for our audience to just hear a little bit more about you and your background. I know I read a rather extensive and wonderful, exciting bio, but what would you add to that? What's passionate for you uh, that you've done over the 25 plus years of leadership development and training? You know, I think my passion is really about developing people. And that's how I really got into this business. I spent um, several years in corporate America. And in part of that, no matter what my job responsibilities were, whether I was in IT, whether I was in sales, whether I was in operation, you always had to work through the talent, right? And so I have found that, and this was advice given to me by one of my presidents and she, when I took a new position, which was quite challenging, and she said, Surround yourself with the best people. You don't have to know all the answers. Get the right people and you will be successful. And she was absolutely right. So there was always some element of talent development, taking, making sure people were taken care of and had the right resources and they had career paths and growth. And so when our business was bought and sold, I had to figure out what to do next. And I thought, you know what? Let me spend more time in talent development then I got to spend in corporate. And that is how I got into the consulting realm. And that's how I got into uh, leadership development. Wow. Well, I know that you have an extensive knowledge and background in the five practices of exemplary leadership. And 
that's how we met. And I got to tell you, um, Yvette and I have somewhat um, just kind of adopted you as our mentor. I don't even know if we got expressed uh, permission for that, but you have really been a champion in our line of business. And so I wanted to take this time to say thank you. Why of the five practices of leadership, uh, of exemplary leadership? Why, Why that? Right. So, you know, there's all kinds of offerings out there on the marketplace. I actually got involved with the five practices of leadership when I was working with the Tom Peters company. Um, the Tom Peters company, Jim Cousy's the author, Barry Posner, the author, um, was actually all part of this whole development process. And the thing that I loved about the leadership challenge is a couple of things. One is research based. Right. So so we have something that we can stand on, because when you're going into your clients, what's your differentiator? What makes this unique and different? It's been research based for over 30 years. We have it's been on the the book itself. The Leadership Challenge book has been on the top 10 bestseller list for almost 30 years. Wow. And I love that they continue to do research. And Barry and Jim is always working with us as certified master um, facilitators. Last but not least is the model is simple, but powerful. People can remember five practices, right? And the other thing it does, it takes leadership, which feels, everybody talks about leadership being that soft skill, intangible. You can't touch it, but you know full well when you have a great leader and you know when you don't have a great leader, whether we can touch that or not. And so the thing about the leadership challenge is it takes 30 behaviors and it now makes something that felt intangible, very tangible. You can now measure how can I become a great leader? And I got to tell you, Christina, I didn't have that privilege growing up in leadership, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. I just learned like boots on the ground and you sort of figured it out and you hope you had a great mentor, which I did. But to have had that opportunity probably earlier in my life and in my career to figure out, okay, here are the right things you should be doing as a leader. Here are the things you should be focusing on as a leader. I think could have made a tremendous difference. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you talked about it's research based, but I also love the fact that it's quantitative, right? We can run this type of uh, data six months to a year on a leader after they've been assessed and we can see if they've been able to model uh, at a higher frequency. Yes. Uh, in the areas in which we have uh, assessed them al- amongst the five practices. So I think that this would be a great time for you to really talk about the five practices. And I'd like you to start with, in your own way, uh, you know, the five practices are model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enabling others to act and encouraging the heart. And what we're going to do today uh, is just kind of have you share a little bit about each one of the practices and and how they kind of intertwine. And so let's start with modeling the way. Why is that important for a leader to model the way? I love that question. Um, for me, it's almost model the way or nothing. Right. Because if a leader is not modeling the way, then, well, let me say it differently. Every leader models the way. The question is, am I modeling what I should be? Am I modeling the things and behaviors that I want my followers and my team members to imitate? Ah, that's that's the key. Every one of us are modeling the way. But how are we modeling the way? So when we think about modeling the way, it is about how authentic am I as a leader? What does that look like? How do I show up? 
How credible am I? No, Ben, Ben, Ben and Jerry. I'm thinking ice cream. Sorry. That's okay. Ben and Barry, right? Talks about credibility being the foundation of leadership. You yourself know, Christina, you are not going to listen to, nor are you going to follow anyone that you do not believe in or you don't believe have credibility. That's right. Leaders will struggle unless they have credibility. I had an interesting conversation in a workshop the, the other day. I had a participant say to me, okay, it's talk about model the way and I'm supposed to set the example about what I want. He says, is that telling people what to do? And I said, no, no, this is not telling people what to do. You're setting the example of how you want people to behave and how you want people to show up. Mm -hmm. This is not micromanaging them. This is not telling them specifically how to get the work done. But Mm -hmm. I said, here, let me give you, let me just give you a real life example here. If you schedule a meeting with your team and you inherently come to that meeting all the time, 10 to 15 minutes late, Mm -hmm. what do you think they're going to think? Well, meetings are scheduled to start at three, but I can at least be 15 minutes late because we've set the example that it's okay to be that way. Or if you're coming into a training class and you're constantly on your phone with your team members, you're setting the example. It's okay. This is what we do. Leaders and their behavior for me, become the DNA of the culture. Mm, That's right. They're creating that DNA and it's going to show up in the way that they behave. So we like to say they need leaders need to do what they say they're going to do, Mm -hmm. keep their commitment and follow through with people. And you know what? There's a couple of things. When leaders do what they say they're going to do, when leaders keep their promises and commitments, it also gives them higher level of trust. And you and I both know in organizations with low levels of trust, they struggle. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's one of those areas that we look at for credibility, right? Because we, we are looking to see how often do you model credibility in your, le- your leadership. So that's real important. Now, after a person has really examined uh, modeling the way we go into inspire a shared vision, And that is so important because I think that's one of the areas that leaders struggle the most in. Would you agree with that, Valerie? Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk a little bit. I want you to unpack this inspired a shared leader. Why is that important? And then how does that kind of bubble up to uh, the team and then maybe the organization at large? Sure. Here's a couple of things around inspire shared vision. We know that in the absence of a vision, people will struggle because then what happens is I'm coming to work out of a sense of compliance versus a sense of commitment. Every person in the organization, I don't care what their role is, what their responsibility is, needs to be connected to the higher vision. So what we try to help people understand is every organization has a vision. Every organization has multiple departments. Each one of those departments need to have a vision. So I know how I fit into that. And I tell people I break it all the way down. And if you're doing project work, that project needs to have a vision. People need to understand what's the problem we're trying to solve and what's the vision. So if the problem goes away, what would it look like? What would it feel like? I mean, I learned that before I went into IT because I was first in the user community, right? And we're trying to put together um, new systems and processes. But I, I, as a leader then in that department, had to explain to my team, you know what? When we put this system in, this is where you're going to spend more of your time. You aren't going to be doing busy work and checking. 
These are the things we're going to be doing. You know, we want to improve our service level to our customers, and this is going to allow us to do that. So it's so important that people, uh, leaders have a vision. But now here's the part that's hard. A couple of things. First of all, most middle managers think that the vision belongs to senior executives. It's like, that's not my job. That's the first you want, that's the first misconception, if you will. A vision belongs to everyone because I'll ask them, okay, it belongs to senior management. What do you want your team to do? And they can talk about that. How, are your team, how is your team going to understand what that means and what that looks like to them? And they're going, oh, okay. The second problem I find is vision is misunderstood. It's almost, it's like this mysterious thing. And maybe it's they think it's a long suffering process to craft one when really the vision is about what do you care about and what is this going to look like at the end? Every major IT project we had had a vision mm. so that I could understand it. Senior executives can understand it because that's where the resource funding was coming from and the user community could understand it. So we overcomplicate vision. But we do know from our research that vision, to your point, is the lowest of all the five practices. And it's not because we aren't smart enough to do it. It's just that we're so busy fighting day to day and taking care of the, the moment, the crisis of the moment, that we forget to be forward thinking. But mm. yet people, the followers, the team members, they want to know where are we going? Wow. Where are we going? And then you let them figure out how to get there. You, you do this example um, of driving in the fog. Yes. Can you unpack that? Because I just think that's the neatest thing. Um, you talk about what happens when an organization hits fog. Can you yeah. kind of unpack that for us? Yeah. So just think about this. And, you know, most of us have, have had this experience. So, you know, it's a beautiful day here, actually, in Loveland today. The sun is shining. And so if I was out on this beautiful road, I could be driving top down, right? Smooth sailing all the way, music blaring, and I'd be a happy person. But I can tell you this. I also was up in hmm, somewhere up in Canada and had one of these old, dark, early morning flights, like at 3 a.m. I had to get up and go to get to the flight. Literally, I had to cross this bridge, high bridge, in a fog. Wow. You know, so I tell this fog story, but I, I experienced this fog story. And literally, I'm tense. I'm doing the old lady driving real slow, hands at the 10 and 2, right? Straining my eyes to kind of see like this. No music is playing because I don't want to be distracted. You know, we turn that music down so we can see better. <laughs> and finally, I get across this bridge and I'm like exhausted, right? Because I'm driving with so much uncertainty and unknown. And so what is that like when we get into an organization? Well, when you don't have a vision, it's like driving in that fog. People are stressed. People are tense. They're only looking for those little white lines they hope that they can see, and they're going to stay in that white line, which means there is no innovation. There is no creativity. I have, I have boxed myself in. Our role as leaders, we need to lift the fog for people. We need people to help to see the end, right? We need to help people see where we're trying to get them to go. You know, my favorite joke is what's the difference between a vision and hallucination? It's the number of people who see it. Because if you're a leader and you're <laughs> the only person that sees your vision, you're hallucinating. A vision <laughs> is shared and you've got to be able to communicate it visually, um, articulate it. And here's the other thing. You have to share your vision in multiple different ways. As you know, Christina, we all learn differently. 
get some visuals up there, get metaphors in there, get some passion in there. And last but not least, invite your team in to ask them, what do you see, Christine? You know, what do you see as the ideal work environment for us? What do you see that would be the vision for this project? What do you see as the vision for this department? Because once we can enlist you and get your input and your opinion, you're more likely to become a part of that vision. Wow, that's fantastic. And I think leaders who are able to craft their own personal vision based on their value systems mm-hmm. and then help their team develop a team value system mm-hmm. based on their individual values as well. Uh, I, to your point, uh, when they hit the fog, they still have uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. They know where they're going. They got to get through that that struggle, but they know exactly how to get through the struggle together as a team. So with that said, we're kind of coming up on challenging the process, which is really interesting because when we hear the word challenge, uh, sometimes, you know, that could sound uh, maybe that there may be a little conflict in there. So tell me, how do I, as a leader, uh, I know how to model the way and you've taught me how to inspire a shared vision, but I don't know how I feel about challenging processes. Yes. Yes. And before I even jump into challenge the process, um, you said something and let me help make a link here because you resonated, it resonated with me. When we talk about model the way, part of it is also to your point is understanding who we are as a leader and what our values are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we are inspiring a shared vision, it's also tied and linked to our values. Because if we first understand what our own personal vision is, which helps me understand who I am and how I show up, to your point, yes, then I can help inspire my team vision. But as a leader, I can't do any of that unless I know who I am. And and to your point, this is why I have fell in love with the leadership challenge. I don't know that there is anything that I've done prior to this that has aligned so deeply with my personal values, Mm -hmm. the values that Yvette and I uh, try to model, if you will, in organizational leadership. I got to tell you, I OD'd on every reading (laughs) opportunity I could get. You know that for yourself. I ordered every book and uh, because it has just been, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Because I just think that this develops the whole person. And you're not just modeling at work. When you live by your values, you're modeling that same uh, behavior to your family. Yeah. You're you're, you're modeling that in your church. You're you're, you're modeling it at the ballpark. Wherever you go, that authentic leader, they show up as their whole self. And so I just love this stuff. So thank you for making that link and and showing us that uh, that comparison. So how do we back into that challenging the process with that? So here's where I live. Challenge the process is you're right. Some people think, okay, this is confrontational or I can't do this or I have no authority. But think about it this way. What is getting in the way of you achieving your personal organization or team vision. So what's the reason we should be challenging the process is probably where we need to start. And when we think about challenging the process, it is leaders, uh, particularly today, I want you to think about this for a moment. If leaders aren't always thinking about what's new, what's next, what do I need to change? What do I need to disrupt in my own business so that I can survive? They won't. Wow. They won't. 
COVID has taught us many things. I Mm kind of, I laugh because I can remember having a conversation with an organization and we were talking about, you know, trying to get people maybe to work from home for a while as this is pre-COVID and I got all this pushback. No, we can't do this. We who, I don't know if they're working, blah, 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 blah. And lo and behold, everybody has figured out how to work from home, right? For the most part. So organizations that never thought that that could possibly be them, they got disrupted by this virus. Tom Peters said years ago, he's always been a thought leader who's been ahead of his time. He said industries need to disrupt themselves before something else disrupt them. And that's really what Challenge the Process is all about. Now, people think about challenging the process and we talk about creativity and we talk about innovation. Well, here's what we know. If you want to be creative, you want to be innovative, you want to take some risk and experiment and do something differently, you have to have a level of trust. Hmm. Can't have a level of trust unless you've been modeling the way and you, right? And you work with other values and you have credibility. There we go. So we got all these things threaded threaded together. But leaders have to go first in stepping out and taking risk. And they don't have to be big things. That's what often people think about. What's getting in the way of your invoicing system? What can you do to improve relationships between your vendors? I can tell you. I've had all kinds of clients and I, some of them have some messed up processing system. I had one client, I didn't get paid for almost a year. My client was embarrassed. It wasn't her fault. It was just all the mechanisms. And I just wanted to, so, you know, with an IT background, I just wanted to get in there. I want to get <laughs> in there and help them. There are better ways to do this. Let's talk about some better ways. Like let's, you know, let's challenge the process and ask ourselves, should we be doing things this way? But Unless a leader has passion or has a pain point or has identified a critical need, challenging the process and creativity and innovation is not going to happen. But yet we do know the world is rapidly changing. Look at everything that's online today, which was, you know, when I was in the shoe industry initially, no, shoes weren't online. Well, how can people try them on? Zappos nixed that. Not only can they try them on, they can send them back when they don't work for 365 days a year. Who heard of that? Right. Who right. would do that? Right? Fine dining example. restaurants you can now carry out. Mm-hmm. Fine dining. You know, like you almost want to put on your good clothes just to pick up your pickup. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't tell you how many times I've ordered from Ruth Chris during the pandemic. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So I encourage leaders this. Talk to frontline people. Find out what's getting in the way for them to be the best that they can be and do their job the best way they can. Make small changes that helps them. And then they see that you believe in them. And then you can tackle bigger things. And the other thing I think is really important is this. We always talk about we got to change this. We have to do things. Um, And then we want people to be creative and we want people to think outside the box. So, right. So they can challenge the process and do things differently. We have to give our teams the tools to do it. And as a leader, you have to support them. And this is what support looks like. I help you to understand what's the return on our investment and why we're doing this. If you make a mistake, I'm going to be there to talk you through, okay, what went well? You know, what do we need to do differently? I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to, you know, call you out in the meeting and I'm not going to throw you under the bus because if you want people to try and take some risk and experiment, 
that means some sense of failure may come with it. I, I love what you said. And you said something that's so meaningful um, as you spoke about this. You talked about frontline leadership. Yeah. And I think good leaders do communicate with their frontline leaders because those are the individuals who hear the complaints. Mm-hmm. Those are the individuals that see the breakdown of the process, processes. Those are those individuals who are talking to the, uh, the you know, frontward, forward-facing mm-hmm. customer, and um, they can really bring some good insight. Um, just the other day, um, we had a new uh, refrigerator delivered, and I won't say what company it right. was, but um, the young man was so nice. And we had not only ordered a refrigerator, but we ordered a dishwasher and a microwave. And so he was doing such a wonderful job putting in the refrigerator. And we got into this conversation about what I do in my line of work, and I shared it with him. And so I talked a lot about process improvement. And so somehow or another, I just casually said, wow, today's a pretty busy day for us. You're bringing the the uh, refrigerator and then we have the microwave and then we have the dishwasher. And he says, wow, well, who's delivering the other stuff? I said, your company. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, hold one second. He went out to his truck. He looked at his his, uh, you know, kind of his day of work. Mm-hmm. And he says, ma'am, you won't believe this. I would have come to your house three times today because all three of your orders are on separate bills. Mm-hmm. And of course, he doesn't know what my address is by heart. So he was going to deliver the refrigerator, mm-hmm. go to his next appointment. And wherever I landed, mm-hmm. he was going to come back to my house. And then whenever I landed, he'd have to come back. Mm-hmm. And so that freed him up. That took away three stops. Now, he had 14 deliveries that day. And so talk about process improvement. But who is the best person to say the processes that we're using in our delivery system may not be effective? That young man is. Right. The best person to say. But oftentimes, to your point, senior leadership or C-suite may not ever interface with that level of leadership. And well, so, so much falls through the gap. Well, it doesn't even take senior leadership. Think about this for a moment. I wonder who that person, that particular driver, would have to talk to because he has an idea, right? Mm-hmm. I've got it now. I've got an idea. I just identified something. I can save time. My routes can be scheduled better, right? Now, who do I talk to? Well, mm-hmm. what's the relationship with my manager? If I got a good trusting relationship, back to model the way, with my manager, then maybe I'll bring it to my manager. If my manager feel like it's not my place to bring new ideas, then I'm not bringing them up to your point. Even though I have an answer, I have a potential solution. I can make things better. That's why leaders have to be approachable leaders, right? And when you think about modeling the way, and if he understands, if the driver understands the vision, and let's say perhaps the vision is to have the best in customer service, then he can support his change and linking it to the vision. If he has no clue about the vision, he doesn't have a leg to stand on there. Do you remember that show Undercover Boss? 
Absolutely, it's my favorite. Listen, I can't I wish wait I could repeat. Paradigm I wish is I could big enough. Show them all the time because isn't that what they discovered? If you get yes. out of your office and you go out to where the people are, you can learn a heck of a lot about what's working, what's not working, and where you need to go. I can't wait until Paradigm is big enough for me to do Undercover Boss. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's so interesting that you bring that up because CEOs and C-suite leaders are not hired to know how to cook the fries. That's right. Okay. But if we want our bottom line to really, you know, be impacted in a good way, we really need to collaborate and know what's happening on fries. And I think this whole show, you know, uh, really allows the CEO and in many many topics you see that they are just clueless as to what goes on uh, at that level. And and really, it they become so authentic and connected. It is the most it is probably one of the best shows for entrepreneurs um, because it really helps you understand the importance of modeling the way how to connect your your vision with your team, even your team who is right front facing right that front that front uh uh line worker and and then it helps you also challenge your own processes that you're far removed from that you have no idea the impact and sometimes that show we see salary increases mm-hmm. we we see things change within the organizational structure mm-hmm. around benefits mm-hmm. it's just it's just wonderful right wow. because right because they didn't know so So the takeaway for those of you who are listening, we don't care what level you are in the organization. Mm -hmm. They'll put put beats to the put boots to the street. That's right. Get out there. Um, And you don't have to do this every day. That's not the expectation. But just having senior leadership show their face and go, Christina, what's going on and how are things going? Or having some kind of fire chat meetings. I remember um, one organization People would randomly put randomly put their names out there and say, you know, like, I'd love to spend an hour with the CEO. And they would just draw people's names and they would schedule people and they could ask all kinds of questions. And the CEO was open and gracious. And that's the other thing when you want to go back to modeling the way people aren't going to come and give out their ideas or open, you know, speak openly unless they feel that there is no repercussions, unless they that's feel right. very comfortable See, an undercover boss, let's remember, they didn't know who they were speaking with. That's right. But in the real world, we want you to know who you're speaking with. So as a leader, we have to be approachable. We have to be open. We have to be open for feedback. Absolutely. Doesn't necessarily have to agree with all the feedback, but let me hear it. Let me, you know, let me hear it. Let me marinate on it. Um, Before I say, no, Christina, that can't be right. (laughs) Absolutely. While you have given us a wealth of information. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to a commercial break really quickly. And when we come back, um, Valerie is going to um, help us understand the last two practices, enabling others to act and encouraging the heart. Are you ready to jumpstart your conversations? How about create a culture of transformation through powerful coaching questions? Then Accelerated Coaching Conversations is the solution for your team or organization. Paradigm 360 offers a one-day coaching training course that will introduce powerful skills that coaches use to create high-quality breakthrough conversations. These conversations help to improve the participant's personal and professional effectiveness. 
People can leverage the power of conversations to impact people in transformational ways. Trainees will learn how to listen for what really matters, understand how to ask powerful questions that result in increased workplace productivity, identify conversation killers that sabotage constructive relationships, learn how to identify the types of questions that create space for people to respond authentically. For more information about accelerated coaching conversations, please contact us in the following ways on the web, paradigm360consulting.com, or drop us an email at info at p360coach.com to schedule your next corporate, government, or nonprofit accelerated coaching conversation for your team today. In the between time, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Paradigm360 underscore LLC or check out our latest leadership podcast, Exec Talk on Apple, Google and Spotify platforms for the latest and greatest corporate and business tips. In the words of our marketplace coach, Christina Lee, we will see you at the top. You're listening to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360 with executive leadership coach, Christina Lee. After the show, stay connected at www.paradigm360consulting.com. Now back to the show with your host, Christina Lee. All right. I know that you all are just full of leadership principles as we are talking today to uh, Valerie Willis of Willis Consulting. And thank you, Valerie. You've done such a wonderful job sharing uh, about the five practices of exemplary leadership. Can you talk a little bit now as we are landing the plane, uh, enabling others to act? Why is that such an important practice in our leadership? Well, let me start by saying for some people that may be listening, let me clarify this word enable, because you know that can have some negative connotations. So we're not trying to enable negative behaviors. What we're trying to make sure of is that people have the appropriate resources and tools to do their jobs. So when we think about enable others to act, it goes back to everything that we have been talking about. If I take a look at some of those behaviors that are under enable others to act, one of the first ones that we need to think about is treating people with dignity and respect. So imagine this. If you don't treat people with dignity and respect, yet you expect them to do work of excellence, not going to happen, right? If I'm not listening to diverse points of view, then I feel like I have no voice. And people that feel like they have no voice are not going to ever feel um, enabled at all. People want some sense of control in the work that they do. Now, I hear you. We have government agencies that have standard SOP procedures that are probably stacked a mile high. We have financial industries that have rules and regulations. We have aviation industry with rules and regulations. And what I help people to understand is even within these rules and regulations, we have to be able to give people some sense of control about how the work gets done right? Within the guidelines for those places that have guidelines. I remember I had someone who was so detailed, who wanted to micromanage everything. And finally, I said to this person, I says, do me a favor. Let me, let me show you how this works for me. If you want me to be in California, as an example, to deliver a speech, tell me what day it is, and then I'll get there. I said, but what I don't need you to tell me is whether I should drive there, whether I should fly there, or how I should get there. Because as long as I show up on the day and the time that I'm supposed to be there, the rest doesn't matter. But so many leaders try to micromanage it. 
Or we try to make it like, okay, Christina, this is how I do it. This is how I've always done it. And that's what I expect of you. When maybe back to our original conversation, you have a better way to get to the same end result. So as leaders, let's get clearer about what are the outcomes that we expect. And let's make runway room for people then to use their own thoughts and their own creativity to figure out how to get done. Don't stifle people, because here's what I've learned. I said to leaders, how much work do you have on your plate? It's overfilled. It's running over. And I said, I will bet you there are things on your plate you shouldn't even be doing. But you don't even want to, A, take the time to teach somebody else how to do it because you don't have time. Absolutely. You can't delegate because you don't have time and you don't know how to delegate. Wow. So if you just back up and start to think about how do I enable my people? A key question to keep asking your team is, what do you need? Now, when I say that, you have to be real here. For example, we know that companies do not have unlimited resources. That's right. All right. So we can be honest and say, I have this much in resources, but what do you need? How can I help you be better? How can I help you perform better? Understanding, going back to leadership as a relationship, understanding where that career path may go. How can I help you do that? I mean, I never would have thought about going in IT. I got put on a stretch project and to redo a whole order bill ship system as mm-hmm. part of, right, in my user community group. I wasn't in IT, but somebody saw that as an opportunity for me because I'm always one of these people I would change jobs within the same company about every four to five years. I'm curious. Okay. I want to know how <laughs> stuff works, right? And But somebody saw something in me and said, hey, you know, maybe you should do this. So as leaders to enable people, let us help them figure it out. Um, Don't be one of those leaders that decide, you know, Christina is so good at this. Mm. I'm never going to let her go. Yes. Because you're stifling that person. You've got good people. Help them be better and let them go. Right. And you know what? All of us need to remember somebody helped us. Somebody enabled us. And for people that don't even understand the concept of enable, I just said to them, think about the first time you join a new organization who helped you because somebody enabled you. If it was nothing more than they made sure there was a staple on your desk, there was tape on your desk, you had a telephone on your desk, you had the passwords to get in. Someone helped you along the way. So we need to learn our people. We need to learn what they're capable of. We need to set high expectations. We need to help them meet those expectations. And we need to make sure they have a voice. Because when people have a voice and their input is heard, because people are smart, they know every idea they have is not going to get implemented. That's not even what they're looking for. They just want to know that you've heard them. And they also want to know that that you care about them as a leader. They'll never come up to you and say, Christina, Yvette, I need you to care about me today. No. (laughs) But we all know that when they're treated in a caring manner, they will perform better. So when we talk about enabling others to act, it really is about how am I building great relationships with the people that work for me and and that work with me? Because this is how silos get broken down, right? Go ahead. You, I was going to say, you are doing, wow, you, you're doing this just a great service because when you talk about this, I thought about number 14, um, on the assessment, which is treating people with dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. And as practitioners, you and I know that one of the first things we look for when we do a report leadership practice inventory 
uh, on one of our clients, we're looking. We're looking to see where that number 14 is. We're looking oh, yeah. to see how they treat people. Do you treat people with dignity and respect? And everything kind of rises and falls on that, doesn't it? It does. So here's here's the deal for those of you who are listening. Um, there is an assessment that helps us remember to make intangible leadership very tangible. And to do that, there's 30 behaviors that we get people to rate themselves on and observers rate them on a scale of one to 10. And that for, and the rating is based on frequency. And you're absolutely right. Any Before I do any coaching on the LPI, I'm looking for where does dignity and respect show up? Because I tell you what, if it's not up there at the top, I can almost tell you what the rest of the score is going to be like. Absolutely. And right? I, I mean, that's the, right. all of these behaviors are important and critical, but I can tell you that treating people with dignity and respect, following through on promises and commitment, and listening to diverse points of view need to be up there. Because if I'm not doing those things, if I'm not treating you with dignity and respect, if I'm not listening to you, and I'm not following through on the promises and commitments, you have no use for me. Absolutely. Well, that kind of brings us to our last one, encourage the heart. Because if I can um, master uh, in my leadership with a high level of frequency of enabling others to act, valuing people, uh, having credibility, um, I can't think of anything better than being able to encourage um, our FTE, uh, the people who work for us, the people who we, we labor with. So can you share as we land the plane and we're, we're getting ready to taxi uh, into um, our final destination? Talk to us about encouraging the heart. That's the last practice. Yes. So you will hear the word courage inside of encourage the heart. Inside of the word courage is the word cour, C-O-U-R, right? Which is French for heart. So Love encourage that. the heart is from my heart to your heart. And oftentimes it takes courage for a leader to do this. Most leaders are very self-sufficient, right? Mm -hmm. They're self-motivated. They're going to do the work no matter what. And so when Jim and Barry did this um, survey and some research and they asked leaders, right, do you need encouragement to do your best work? Need is a key word here. Most of them said, hmm, no. So like any good research is when you don't get the results, you go after another, right? You go after right. another way. And he says, well, but when you receive encouragement, does it help you perform better? 98% of people said yes. Ah, so people may not need it, right? But when they get it, it's like something triggers in the brain and that makes them feel good and better. What encouragement does, it helps people to see what I should be doing. So when we lift somebody up and we show the good works of somebody else or we tell the story about what somebody did to make something happen. Let's just go back to the story of the young man who was delivering for you. Let's just say that he took his idea back and it got implemented. Now, don't you think that organization should at minimum give him some type of recognition and appreciation for what he has done because he has 
not even knowing this company, but I'm sure he's lived into that vision of providing better levels of service, figuring out how to be more productive um, in doing the work. And that's what we want everyone else to do. So like you're telling that story, and if that story would get told within the organization, then people would go, oh, okay, that's what they're looking for. That's what success looks like in this organization. People are working very hard right now. People are working a lot of long hours. And it's not just our healthcare workers. Every mm -hmm. organization I'm in right now, I feel the tension. I can feel the stress. And what I say to people is we need to balance this. It is so easy for us as leaders, just like a principal or a teacher, call somebody in and list down all the things they've done wrong for the last week. How intentional are we about looking for those opportunities to tell people what they've done right and how things are doing well, right? There's that book, um, How Full Is Your Bucket? That's, yes. one of one, that's another one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, books. And book. one of the things that stuck with me is when he said, rarely are there any neutral encounters in life, that usually that encounter will either be positive or negative. Well, we need to help people see when they're doing the positive. Now, I can tell you this. One of the challenges that I hear from people is, can you overdo encouragement? Um, you know, I said, well, what are you encouraging? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about thanking me for showing up for work because, yes, you do pay me for that. Correct. Right. But what are you encouraging? First of all, if you set high expectations and people are exceeding those expectations and when people are gone going above and beyond that expectation and they're delivering, they need to be appreciate it. People need encouragement. It doesn't cost you a lot. As a matter of fact, one of the things that has been showing up is that those individuals who receive handwritten notes of appreciation, yes, that's it. I mean, what's the cost of that? Go to the dollar store for heaven's sakes, buy a pack of thank you cards, go when you're going through Costco, pick up your stamps and have a <laughs> pen ready and write the, and write the note. Like, and, dear Christina, and it's personalized. It's going to be specific about what it is. And I can't tell you, it does wonders. We mm -hmm. often ask in our leadership classes is how many of you have received a handwritten note of appreciation? And most hands go up. And I tell them, go all the way back to kindergarten if you have to. But I want you <laughs> to think about it, right? And most hands go up. And I ask them, how long have you, how many of you have kept it five years or more? More hands go up. <laughs> Why do you keep it? And they tell me, and they tell you the story with such passion, with such meaningful. And on a bad day, it makes me remember, yeah, I did something good one day. Absolutely. I will say this. Um, research has shown only about 29% of the people receive recognition and appreciate in organizations. That is far too low because the return on investment is so much higher. If you want to have higher levels of team spirit, more meaningfulness in the workplace than show recognition and appreciation and you will get that. And can I can I say something before we close? Because you you are absolutely right. And I just want to make this point as well. We're not talking about the employee recognition where people are voting for their favorite employee of the month. That's not what we're talking about. Right. It needs to come from you, the leader. 
We're talking about the leader showing value, encouraging the heart, giving recognition, taking the time to write that note. That is so very important because oftentimes we implement systems Mm -hmm. and we get so good at implementing systems, we forget the human side of the business. That's right. Yeah, we really do. And and we don't have a way to be able to scale our human capital because they feel robotic. They feel like they're just here to do a job. And so one of the things that Yvette and I have been very diligent about doing as we're training teams, we do the exact same thing that you say. We have these nice note cards. We write out note cards. We've bought recently, we we trained a a, a local hospital. We, We purchased really nice nice um, water bottles that said, thank you for being on the front line. We put their brand, we put it in their colors, we put it in a really nice bag, and we did a handwritten note with a Starbucks card uh, for each person. And that went so far because they know we care about them. And and we've also on several occasions tried to do lunches and different things for organizations, whether it's some of the schools that we work with or uh, corporations that we work with. It's not that they can't buy their own lunch. Right. But it's that it's that touch that says this organization is not here just trying to take a dollar from us. They really care about the work that they're walking alongside us as we try to fulfill that. You know, um, one of the things that I've done, and and we'll close with this, is uh, during the pandemic, you know, Yvette and I have the luxury of working with our wonderful federal employees. Mm -hmm. And what I've done, as I see things on CNN and some of the agencies that uh, I work with, uh, if their particular agency has been impacted by a particular area of COVID, I pick that phone up and I call that leader and I say, thank you for your federal service. Mm-hmm. I'm watching CNN. I hear what they're saying on the news, but I got to tell you, I know personally the grit and the wherewithal that you put in the day. And I just want to say thank you. I can't tell you how many times I've done that just just this week with uh, Hurricane Ida. Uh, One of one of our uh, federal agencies that I know will be, you know, impacted by that work. I picked up the phone and said, our thoughts are with you as you are working through this once again crises uh, as with inclement weather. So you're right. Uh, encouraging the heart is so important and we got to get away from uh, just our organizational awards. Oh, yes. Uh, And and I think those are great. And I think there's a place for that. What we're talking about is how the leader, how the leader brings value to the employee. Yeah. Let me wrap um, this encourage with this, because there's two things you said that um, that triggered something for me. there is a place, right, for reward and recognition, the big dinners, the trophies, the awards, and all of that. Um, people want money. Yes, of course they do. But the most meaningful recognition is rarely monetary. But um, something that you said when you talk about the leader has to show values, and I'm going to bring this all the way back to modeling the way and values, all right, as we as we close this loop. So I worked with a hospital um, out in California, and one of the stories that I heard from one of the participants said that 
Uh, one of their core values is around um, both safety and cleanliness, right? It's a, it's a healthcare environment. So that makes sense. And she walked out and there was something on the ground. I don't even remember what it was. She was on her way out somewhere, but she picks it up. She looks around, she takes it care, she takes care of it and goes back. And then she goes about her way. She said, and your phone call made me think about it. She said, when she got back, the CEO called her. Mm. And thanked her because it happened to be outside of an office where he was happened to be looking out and saw that and says, I appreciate you doing that and helping that value come to life. So see, we're going all the way back to modeling the way he's modeling the way by showing appreciation and recognition because she she didn't have to stop. She did not have to. She could have stepped over or done whatever. She could have called somebody else, but she took care of it. And he's modeling the way by calling and showing appreciation. She's modeling the way because she understands those values of safety and cleanliness and what it means and that everybody has a role to play in that. And so that's how that thing goes full circle. And then he followed up with a handwritten note, which she held up in class and showed us. And the passion and the smiles for her telling this story, because she just felt, you know, she's close to frontline worker, right? Not someone who interacts with the CEO on a regular basis, but he found out who she was and made sure she got recognition for that. Last thing is show people that you have confidence in their skills and abilities. You know, when you say, I believe you can do this, Christina, right? You have the talent, you have the skills. I can see this happening for you. That's also a form of recognition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, you and Yvette model the way all the time. I am a recipient of you all encouraging the heart. And, and you know that. So I can see that you and Yvette are modeling, not only encouraging the heart, but you're modeling all five of these practices. And I'm sure you will see it'll make a difference, not only in your business, but with all of your clients. Well, Valerie, thank you so much. This has been a treat. Is there any final word that you'd like to say to our audience as we close? Thank you for being here. Yvette and I are indebted to you for this conversation. Well, first of all, I really appreciate it being here. You know, I love talking about leadership. I will just remind everyone out there that leadership is everyone's business. And by that, I mean everyone in your organization is capable of being a, a leader. Do not let titles or a lack of title keep you from seeing the leadership capabilities in everyone, including your frontline people. And the wow. more we lean into the leadership that we have, great leaders develop other leaders. And that's what we all need to do. Wow. Well, you heard it, folks, right here at Exec Talk. Listen, we have had a fantastic time today on our podcast, but my time is up. I thank you for yours. I'll see you at the top. Thank you for tuning in to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360, where executive leadership meets values, authenticity, and integrity in the marketplace. If you would like to know more about Paradigm 360 Consulting, check us out on the web, www.paradigm360consulting.com, or continue the Exec Talk conversation on Twitter at Paradigm360 underscore LLC. Until then, in the words of executive leadership coach Christina Lee, we'll see you at the top.